spend some time inspecting, asking, being curious. It's amazing what creativity flows out of those conversations. Being curious about other people also stops you making it about yourself. This is the Live Into Your Brilliance podcast with me, Al Kenny, and my partner in crime, Mark Billows Bilby. This is the place where we shine a light on the brilliance and the truth of the human condition, whilst blow up the illusions that get in our way. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, mate. How are you? I am excellent, thanks. It's pretty sunny here, late September, um, which is which is rather nice. That's not been it's not been a common feature of the British summer. I know. It's so funny because I've just had my dad here for five weeks and it's been pissing with rain both both here in Boston and in Maine. And then the moment he leaves, which was on Friday, um, we get this glorious sunshine. So we've we've got like a week of like spectacular weather. (laughs) 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 Didn't matter. Come, uh, Come rain or shine, we had a good time. In fact, we built a pub together in uh, our garden shed up in Maine. So that was pretty nice. Oh, that sounds lovely. I'll look forward to visiting said pub at some point. So tell me, have you got anything that you think would be cool for us to discuss, explore today? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, it's a topic that's that I'm actually in the midst of, of doing a, a, some work with a client on right now. Um, but it's something that comes up with a number of uh, organizations that I work with and and just in conversations I have with people and friends and, and even at a family level. Um, and this is the idea of powerful conversations and not shying away from having powerful conversations. And I think in, in the work context, you know, this is referred to as, you know, one-on-ones, having effective one-on-ones, um, uh, I think more progressive organizations, uh, more savvy organizations see this as a, a route to consistent and sustainable performance management um, rather than doing the, the once a year review. Um, but a lot of organizations want to do this. Um, I think a lot of leaders kind of intellectually understand that doing this is a good idea, but in practice, they find it very, very hard. And then on a personal level, like in our lives with our families and our friends, we often, I think, shy away from powerful conversations as well. And we let stuff fester and linger. Um, and everybody knows, I mean, you know, the the, the example of things unsaid um, uh, often result in, you know, family members not talking to each other for decades. And I think there's there's just this wonderful uh, insight that happens when you when you do have these conversations from the right place. And you and I often talk about the closed fist and being in the basement of your consciousness versus the open hand and and riding the elevator of your consciousness. And I think having powerful conversations from the right place from the from a higher level of consciousness always results in something good and and i think you've made the point before where the the conversation can be really hard can be very awkward can be difficult to have but nobody ever regrets having the conversation when you come from that place i think having having tough conversations from the basement of your consciousness when you're operating from an underlying place of fear is a terrible idea. And, um, you know, like we've said before, it's like vomiting in an elevator. Like you just, you don't want to be doing it. I think Mavis said that, like, you don't, you don't want to be doing that because you've got to clean up the mess and you have to apologize to everybody. and <laughs> It smells really bad. So yeah, so that's the topic, mate. I'd love to dig into this with you and blow up some of the myths around powerful conversations, powerful one-on-one conversations. And the one myth that I'd really like to tackle first is a a lot of leaders, I think, uh, and I've seen this firsthand, when you talk about the power of one-on-ones, like really good one-on-ones, 
they go, yeah, 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 I, I get it, but I just don't have time for that right now. Like we have to get the number done. We, ha- you know, it's end of quarter. We've got to get the number done, or we've got this big transformational project. You know, systems transformation. We just got to get through that, and then we can go back to the the soft stuff. You know, we can do effective leadership one-on-one conversations and and all that stuff. And it's often seen as a kind of peacetime activity as opposed to when you're in wartime, when you're in go mode. Like there's no there's no room for this kind of of activity and so I'd love to kind of dig into that with you. Mm. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Um what comes to mind is that there's two things in there. One is that there's that it's a choice between two things. There's a business performance side of it, whether you want, whether that is like you say, like there's a technology piece of work or there's a sales thing that has to be done. There's a choice. You either spend time working on the business or you, you deprioritize that because you're going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go and spend time on leadership. I'm going to go and spend time on having one-to-one conversations. And and so I think when you're living in the illusion that it's a choice between and you've got investors or you've got customers and you've got you know what seem to be very pressing demands it's so easy to see well it's a it's a it's a no-brainer decision. I'm going to go and spend time on sales or the product because that's what needs to be done now. And when I have time, I'll come back to this. So that that for me is the illusion that I would like to blow up, which is this isn't, it's not a choice between things. Conversation is what brings these two things together. Like there is no business performance without people. And there is no business people performance without conversations between people. It's just what to what extent you're leveraging the power of that conversation to deliver the outcomes that you want. So I, I, I guess for me, it's I, I guess I'm trying to empathize with what makes it look like a choice. Because once someone is saying, I don't have time for that, it means I'm choosing to spend my time on something else. Do you think that when leaders, managers hear the, the words one-on-one, they think, oh gosh, I've got to sit down and unpack this person's aspirations and their professional goals and we've got to talk about their path to promotion and blah, blah, blah. And so rather than thinking hey that's that may be that may come up as a part of the conversation you know human beings are human beings they're going to talk about pay rises and titles and whatever floats their boat but but the path to that uh in most organizations is is execution and it, it's a meritocracy and and um and the the power of the one on one is is i think to your point is hey let's let's talk about what you are trying to achieve let's talk about what you're actively involved in and um and how you know w- w- what is the what is the path to success around that look like and what's 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 happening right now and what are the things in your way and how are you going to tackle those things and and what's what's the key way forward and i think you know one on ones i used to love one on ones because i used to talk about all of the operational stuff that they were tackling but i did it in a way that it was it was in it was in the in the context of what the business was trying to achieve, but also in the context of what they were trying to achieve as people and how they were trying to grow and develop and get to that next level in the organization and earn more money and all that good stuff. But I, I think a lot of leaders shy away from them because they don't see them as a unique opportunity 
to inspect, ask powerful questions, do deep listening, and gain real insights, which elevates them as leaders into a far more strategic kind of realm and and also empowers the person that you're having the conversation with and and allows you to delegate more. And so it's and it's interesting. People just will will shy away from them and then they don't have them. And the consequence of not having them, particularly when things are tough, is things fall through the cracks and you're in constant firefighting mode as opposed to being collaborative on your A game, full insight, having explored things thoroughly and knowing what the next step forward is, you know, the way forward is. I I, I have really I have really strong feelings about this because I've seen what happens when people do not have good, meaningful conversations with their team members. Mm. Well, in short, in one part of that is a short answer is, yeah, I do think what gets in the way is people think that these are soft conversations and it's, I'm going to have to turn up and just listen to how someone feels. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's abstracted from the business performance. You know what, but what I, and this is, might sound a little bit um, controversial and maybe, maybe it won't. If a leader is saying that I don't have time for this, to me, it's probably the number one indicator that they actually haven't really accepted the role of leadership yet. And they haven't really let go of the 51% of the vote. Um, and, you know, you and I talk about this idea of 51%. When you, when you have brought someone into your team to fulfill a function, you have to give them 51% of the vote, which is you let go of your right to decide everything. And you're saying, hey, I'm giving this, I'll have a 49%, I'll have an opinion, but I'm giving you 51%. I'm giving you the responsibility to figure this out as best you can. And so if you choose to take my opinion, that's going to be on you. And if you ignore my opinion, that's on you. That's fine. Like, cause you got, because if you are a leader and you don't have time to spend with your team having conversations, like, what else are you doing? And the chances are, is that you're trying to do everyone's job. You're spending your time thinking, well, I'm trying to figure out how to get sales. I'm trying to figure out how to get sure the product works. And, and I'm trying to figure out all of this stuff. And my number one question would be, why are you doing that? Is this not why you hired people? Um, like if someone said, I don't have time, maybe the only legitimate answer you might accept would be because I'm so busy doing all of the work that I've agreed to do to support my people. And then you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. It sounds like you might be taking on too much. And are you are you like allowing them to kind of dic dictate to you this thing. And so I come back to kind of if, like actually these powerful conversations are the key to, to leaders having time. It's, it's when you're having these conversations, there is time because they, they create time for everyone. They're what cut through, cuts through the noise for you. It's what cuts through the noise for your people. But if you've not been prepared to let go of the 51%, then that means these are just things that get in the way of you going and trying to be the hero in your business. It's funny, you know, I, I've been in a leadership position in chronic wartime, like dire, dire situation, potentially can shut the doors of an organization. And if I think about those conversations that we had with senior leaders, we were doing exactly that. We were having conversations around key operational things. And 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 you know, in hindsight, we were we were we were even using, you know, a, a 
performance coaching framework for it. I mean, I, I love Grow and I know you've used Grow very successfully as well. But in, in that wartime situation, it was like, okay, what are our what are our goals? What's the current reality? What are our options? And what are what's the way forward? What are we committing to? It's that same conversation. It's a very powerful conversation in the heat of a dire, dire situation that you're having repeatedly, sometimes on a on a daily basis, um, as you're doing check-ins with very senior people around a, a crisis. And, and the result is a high level of collaboration, a high level of, of shared context, and um, and a, and a, and a, and a, a, a sort of environment where trust is being built, there's psychological safety, um, and and people are getting stuff done, and we're getting through a tough situation. And then we go back to our day jobs during peacetime, and all of that falls away because leaders can't be bothered to have that same conversation just with a different through a different lens and things drift and then you find yourself doing diving catches again because you haven't you haven't used the same level of of insight scrutiny curiosity uh care empathy as you did in 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 some of those tough situations and i would I would go so far as to say that organizations who find themselves in a crisis, who handle crisis really badly, don't have those powerful conversations um, during the crisis. Um, and there's not a, and, and either because there's not a foundation for it or because um, they, you know, they, they just, they simply just don't know how to do it. And I think that's a big thing, L, is, is we can talk about this stuff all all day long and we can point to it. But I think for a lot of leaders, they just don't know how to have the conversations. They don't know where to start. And so they simply don't do it. Mm. Well, so what would you say then to a leader who's going, yeah, I don't know how to do them. So I think it's very simple. I, I think you you sit down. Yeah, you sit down. And you 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 just use something as simple as grow or something like that, where you you sit down and you say, "Hey, L, tell tell me what you're working on right now. What are your what are your goals? When do you hope to get that done by? Why is this so important to you? How does it fit into the broader context of what we're trying to do as an organization? Great, got that." Okay, what's the current reality? What's getting in your way? What is what do you think your major obstacles are? How do you think you're going to overcome them? And um and 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 what help what do you need from me to 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 help you overcome those? Okay, what are our options? What are we going to what are we what are we what are all the things that we need to consider to really make this a huge success, smash this out of the park? Do we understand all of those things? What else are we not considering? What are the things that we have to constantly double click on? And then, okay, great. And sometimes you have to keep going back and and reviewing the goals and reviewing the uh, off the basis of the the things you see in current reality and options. And then finally, you say, okay, great. We've got a really good picture of what we're trying to do here. Um, and what your role is, what your expectations are of me, who we reliant on, what the dependencies are, um, and how we're going to communicate that, and and like what are we going to commit to doing, and let's go do it. I mean, it's it's it sounds so simple, but that's that's it. And then if if the person you're having a conversation with says, "Oh no, I really want to talk about." getting a salary increase, which is such a common one, or I I want to move up to the next level in the org, I want to become a director, or I want to become a VP, or whatever it is. It's great. It's like, let's have that conversation. Why is this so important to you? What, what do you think you need to do in order to justify that move? Great. What's the current reality? 
what are your options? What are what are the things we can explore together and collaborate on in order to get you where you want to be? Okay, great. What are we going to commit to? Let's let's go on this adventure together. And it's funny, you know, like I just think I just think it's it doesn't have to be more than that. But when you have when you have those conversations and you really understand what what motivates people and what what they're trying to achieve and and the way in which they tackle problems and and negotiate obstacles and you're asking questions and you remain authentically curious from that higher place of consciousness you create a level of trust and a and a psychological safety that builds over time with those individuals so that you can have really tough conversations and you can give really powerful feedback as they come in. So when they come for the next one-on-one, it's like, okay, great. How did that go? You committed to doing X, Y, and Z. How did it go? What did you learn? What are the insights you gleaned from that? Okay, what are you going to do differently now on the on the next cycle? But instead, people are like, well, I'm going to cancel the one-on-one. I just don't have time to talk to that person about it's like, what? Why are you doing that? Are you not authentically curious about their side of the business and what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve and how they're going about it? And some leaders, interestingly enough, will say, oh, well, I get that from when I just do a catch-up. Well, what do you think a one-on-one is? Yeah. Well, I guess in just to that, a one-on-one, a one-on-one is a purposeful catch-up. Yeah. It's a a catch up with a purpose, which maybe because everyone like to me, when someone says it's a catch up, it's, it's a kind of, it's a neutral conversation or it's a passive conversation versus because we're talking here about powerful conversations and you were talking about peacetime and wartime. And, you know, one of our favorite topics is practice. Like this is a practice. And one of the things that I get, I think gets in people's way is in peacetime when things are going great, it's like, well, we don't really need to have it now because there doesn't seem to be any fires. So we're all good. Like we have these conversations when there's a need to have these conversations. And, And that's a very tempting mirage for people because it's, it's, hey, I get my time back and, you know, I give them the gift of time. It's a very tempting illusion. But when we do that, we fall out of the practice. And that's why, as you say, when the crisis shows up, sometimes we're like, whoa, why, why, what's, what's wrong here? It's just because we're not practiced in having these types of conversations. And, and I think there's something coming back to so there's a practice here which is the first time you do this it might feel a bit clunky the first time you do it um, when you start doing it not every one of these conversations is going to be earth shattering in terms of its insights but you're building the muscle and and actually it's like world-class performers in anything they are brilliant at repetitive basics they never get bored with doing the fundamentals and i would say there's nothing more fundamental than having meaningful conversations in the context of business leadership people and and it's really seeing that that no this is something that's just a fundamental world class basic of leadership and, and, you know, the bit I was thinking about before is, you know, if you think about pleasure and pain and people are either moving towards pleasure or moving away from pain, I wonder if there is something here about helping everyone see how, like, what's, what's really on offer and what might be the illusion. And, I, and I'll tell you a story, which is, 
like it's probably one of in in many ways it's like one of my most embarrassing stories and in other ways it was like it was one of the biggest gifts i remember moving roles and uh and moving from a, a regional role into a global role and having to hire my replacement which was fine did that and like being totally candid number one i didn't have i didn't lay down in this case the practice of um having consistent conversations in the way that perhaps would have been super beneficial but when i look at it more deeply the the what was going on in those conversations was you know just leave me to it trust me and and somewhere inside myself i had the you know when you have an inkling like you're you're getting the nudge to say something's not quite right here now in my mind like pleasure pain the bit that i ended up avoiding was the idea of wow i don't want them to think that i don't trust them and i don't want to you know i don't want to um i don't want to damage the relationship and you know and i want to keep things in a good space and so i listened to the closed fist i listened to the feelings that were like coming from an imaginary scary future that if i have the conversation that i would like to have that i might somehow make things worse or i might cause a problem versus really listening to the fact that no like this is this is a conversation that you need to have and i avoided it for quite a long time now in the short term that looks like i'm kind of moving towards pleasure and i'm moving away from pain but that's an illusion because what i was actually doing was moving towards pain and moving away from pleasure because by not having the courage and i'm going to put courage on the table by not having the courage to sit down and have th the conversation that i knew to have with someone eventually it had just gone it it blew up and then there was lots of painful conversations and i want to be clear like i don't hold this other person responsible like i'm responsible because who knows what would have happened if i had shown up from love from an open hand and said hey i'd love to have a conversation like tell me how like what's going on like how are things looking like i've just got this feeling i would love to know like where are you at like what's your priorities the same conversation you've you've kind of flagged and when maybe they said no like listen trust me just leave it to be like no this is nothing to do with trust i'm coming from trust it's because i trust you that i want to have this conversation i want to get into the detail because i have a concern and i never did that and it blew up like i mean it blew up spectacularly and i'll never know what might have happened if i'd had that conversation early and and so i think there's something here which is about people seeing that the real gain like there's nothing but upside to be had from having these conversations consistently number 1 so there's like a consistency in having them and then the more consistent you are the easier it is to have the courageous conversations which is when you see something or you've got something that you want to say that's like that may be may feel challenging it may feel challenging but being able to put it into the room to say i'm having the i'm putting this into the room in service of us having a great relationship in service of 
And when you start to do that, when you start to be consistent, when you start to have the courageous conversations, then you'll start to feel more confident in them. And both you and, and the other person start to get into a rhythm. They, we, you start to settle into conversations that become more and more powerful over time. And so I wanted to, I just wanted to put that, I guess, mm. that story on the table because I think, I think we got to get really clear on what we're playing for with these conversations and what we think we might be avoiding, but, but not really. <laughs> yeah. I just had an insight while you were talking there. It's so funny how many organizations and in particular leaders, when you say, Hey, what are the, some, what are the, some of the key values that you, you, you espouse or, or are in your corporate DNA? And often the word curiosity comes back. Oh, we very we love curiosity. We embrace curiosity and, and adventurousness and 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 you know and, and we we're we're inquisitive people. What a load of balls. Like if you were truly inquisitive and you were curious, why wouldn't you be wanting to dig in from a place of higher consciousness into what your key leaders are trying to do, the way in which they're trying to do it, and collaborating and exploring in a curious, adventurous, inquisitive way, like really creative ways of of solving big problems. And the only way that that happens is if you take the time to be curious about them and their their activities and their part of the business. So, you know, when when I when I hear a, a leader say to me, "Oh no, I'm I'm you know we 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 cherish curiosity at our org," and then I'm like, "Oh, how? So when do you have one on ones with your leaders? Oh no, no, we we don't do that. We don't we you know we're constantly collaborating." I'm like, oh, oh, there's a red flag. H- how do you get in? You know, it's like the trillion dollar coach, Bill Campbell. I love that book. And he used to work with Sergey Brin and, you know, the the who's who of Silicon Valley royalty. But he would always go into those sessions curious about an operational topic they would have to bring an operational topic to the table so that they could unpack that and explore it. Now, he wasn't an operating guru, but what I think he was getting at was how are you, how are you thinking? How are you being curious? How are you collaborating? Are you setting the right context? Are you empowering people the right way? He was digging into all of that. Like, where's your ego in all of this? How curious are you? Are you asking the right questions? And I think, I think a lot of leaders can take take um, a leaf out of out of that book. Um, and and it should be fun. Like that's the thing. Like one on ones should not be boring or onerous. They should be really fun. I mean. I used to look forward to my one-on-ones with my leaders because it was a great opportunity to to be creative with people that you love collaborating with. I mean, you put them in those positions assuming that you love working with them and you trust them and you think they're super creative and and they're great problem solvers. Like what a what a wonderful opportunity to to extend those conversations week in and week out. Um, rather than seeing them as a administrative chore that you have to do because somewhere somebody told you that having one on ones is what leaders do, it's like, and you know, and and like pivoting slightly into like personal, the personal realm, having powerful conversations with your friends and your family, I think signals a higher level of interest, like. With your kids, it's it's like you you're signaling to them that you're really, really authentically interested in what they're interested in. 
What are they trying to achieve? You know, what are some of the things that they are are dealing with and obstacles in their way? And and you know, because you love them and you you want to be part of their lives, like how can you collaborate? Um, um, if if possible, or what are the things you can point to as a parent or a loved one or a friend that potentially can give them some options that will will pave the way forward, you know? And I think by avoiding those conversations, you probably can come across as quite disinterested. And I'm sure it's the same in professional. Like I'm sure there are a lot of employees are like, my boss is just not interested in what I'm doing because he or she just never spends the time with me. And I would say the same for parents, like kids, there are probably a lot of kids who are like, yeah, my parents don't really give a shit. They just, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not really, they don't seem that interested in what I'm doing. They're too busy. Yeah. They're too busy. They too, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to do that, but you know, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got to, got to earn money for the family or I've got to run my business or I've got to do whatever, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, no, spend some time, spend some time inspecting, asking, being curious because it's, it's amazing what creativity flows out of those conversations. Being curious about other people also stops you making it about yourself. And it raises your consciousness. I mean, you and I spoke about this. We have spoken about this extensively on on this series. But when you're when you're all about the me and you're not about the I, geez, it's boring and it's exhausting. Do you remember when we had Beth Ayers on, and um, it just popped into my head, and Beth was talking about her kids. I can't remember the exact context, but she said oh, she gave up on the story that it was her job. Um, she needed to make sure that like she had taken care of the, her kids for the whole of their lives as though they were not going to be capable of doing it themselves. And then she said, and then she changed, switched her perspective and was like, oh, no, my job is given the best start and then they'll figure it out from there. So, And it makes me just think about what you just said made me think about that. It's like, what do we choose to take responsibility for? You know, if as parents, sometimes we're so, oh, I'm so busy, like creating this, that, and the other so that my kids are good. And you're like, I think what will be more powerful is if you spend time with your kids and don't use that as the reason not to. Um, and it's an easy trap to fall into. And the same in business. No, 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 I'm too busy because it's my job to make sure that the business runs well. And it's, and it's, it's almost no, like if you've hired a team, like I'm just thinking about CEO founders, but it could be my department or whatever. It's like, if you got a team, you spend time with the team that will be taken care of. It's really seeing like what's what you choose to make your job to be. And that, that, when you said that, that was my insight. It's like, oh, we make our jobs, we make up a story that we don't have time because we're busy doing a different job. I don't have time to be curious and spend time with my kids because I've decided it's more important to fulfill this other thing that I've made up um, about parenting. Or I don't have time for one-to-ones in my team because I've made up a storyline that my job is to somehow make sure the business is successful without having these conversations. And it's a change in perspective. It's been able to go, oh, what if everything would be easier if I just had these conversations? What if then I would have more time, <laughs> the business would run better? Um, and, and like it does feel like all the words that were kind of circulating around to me begin with C. Um, you know, a little bit of this takes courage. I think there is some courage in this to like let go and have faith and then have the curiosity, you know, 
and be consistent with it. And for those people that are thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at this, capability, uh, your capability in having these types of conversations will just rise over time. You'll see that, A, you're pretty naturally capable of talking to someone about them like when you're actually being curious, it's much easier than you think. And you will become more capable the more you do it. And you'll become more confident. And it's so for me, it's like that be courageous and trust that you spending time with your people, having conversations will be powerful show up and be curious. Like if someone said, how do you do it? It's like, show up and be curious and perhaps use something like grow, which gives you a nice framework, particularly in an organizational context. If you just wanted to have like some, a really simple way of navigating around, be consistent, like just be consistent. If you say you're going to do it weekly, do it weekly. If it's bi-weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, monthly, but be consistent with it. And your capability and confidence in it will rise and, and then watch and see what happens. You know, that's, that's maybe what's, well, that's, that's kind of how I was just jotting it down thinking, gosh, you know, it's funny how all those, those words at least appeared in my, my head beginning with C. The one thing I would add to the advice is stop showing up thinking you have to have all the answers. Because I think maybe sometimes leaders, particularly leaders who suffer with imposter syndrome or, you know, um, uh, ha- have a crisis of confidence themselves or operate sometimes from a low level of consciousness and are in a kind of fearful mindset, they sh- probably shy away from these conversations because they think, oh my God, you know, this person's going to ask me all sorts of things and I need to have all the answers and I don't actually know. And, th- and again, that's, absolute hogwash like being being a great leader is admitting you don't have the answers being a great leader is about asking the right questions so that the answers that the subject matter expert has uh, access to they just don't realize it those emerge you know, I, going back to Bill Campbell, I think that's what Bill Campbell did brilliantly. Like Bill Campbell didn't understand the intricacies of what, you know, Google was trying to do, I'm sure. But he knew how to ask the right questions. Um, and he was by no means a subject matter expert, but he got he got those leaders to see things and have insights that profoundly changed the course of those businesses. And it's the same thing here, you know. It's like stop showing up with with the noise in your head around your insecurities and your identity and the the need to be the cleverest person in the room. It's like, yeah, you. The reason you suffer from imposter syndrome is because guess what? You actually don't have all the answers. You don't know what you're doing, and that's quite exciting. So. Go and be curious and and develop uh, insights by collaborating on on a level with somebody and and being creative together because that will give you far more confidence than any title ever will. Mm. Isn't that bizarre? Like somebody starts a business or somebody gets their title changes and all of a sudden they think they have to have this incredible level of knowledge, insight, and and wisdom um, about you know whatever topic, simply because their title changed. Oh, so that person's now been made chief of whatever. They must have all the answers, and they believe they should have all the answers. Mm. It's so ridiculous. And 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 it's like, oh, go and speak to Soman so they must have all the answers because they're the chief of whatever. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like yesterday they were just the director of whatever. Um, 
and they didn't have the answers, but something miraculous happened overnight and there was some kind of infusion into their brain with the library of all the answers. What a load of crap. Yeah. Letting go of the idea that you have to know the answer seems like a a massive one. The answers will show themselves to you. But you'll and you'll be able to tell the story in hindsight. Because that's yeah. And that could be a leader and that might or anyone in any individual contributor role. It's like your job is not to have the answers. It's to play the game and allow the answers to show themselves to you, you know, or how did you build your business? So I can tell you like in hindsight, but I knew none of it before I started playing, you know, it's, uh, and And it's the same with your kids. (laughs) It's the same with your kids. Like what? You've got all the answers about, I don't know, pick a topic, you know, like, your kids come to you and they're like, oh, I've, I've got this, you know, the, this challenge in front of me or I'm trying to achieve this goal. And it's in the context of how kids live their lives today. It's like so foreign to us, but somehow we're like, well, I'm the parent. I've got all the answers. No, you don't. But stay curious and you'll figure it out together. And that'll be so awesome and powerful. Well, just to flip that. Just to flip that as well, uh, same point, but just a slightly different angle. Uh, I'll use parent and then I'll flip it into business. Um, and how weird that how often as parents we show up thinking we do have the answer. So it's like, let me tell you, I've hey, listen, I want to have a conversation because I want to tell you, son or daughter, what you need to be doing in order to create or have whatever it is you want to have. And they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then, and then we think we've got difficult children because they don't readily accept our answers because they're smarter than us. They're like, I don't think that's going to work for me. And it's the same in business. You know, (laughs) we turn up and we think we're like, yeah, I don't think I'm very good at one-to-ones. These one-to-ones aren't working out very well because people don't seem to be doing what I tell them to do in the one-to-ones. And it's like, that's not a conversation. <laughs> that's you turning up thinking that you know yeah. the answer. And like, we're both giggling because I'm saying guilty as charged, Your Honor. Like I've definitely shown up to my kids with the answers and they have definitely rolled their eyes and been like, yeah, whatever, Dad. Like, I'm not sure that's the way I'm going to go. And you realize that showing up with questions and curiosity is more powerful. And the same in the work environment, you know, you show up trying to tell people that you've got the answers and that's not a, that's not typically uh, the, the route to the most productive conversation you'll ever have. So just kind of wanted to turn that, that idea of that we know that is an illusion that is goes beyond powerful conversations, like letting go of the idea that we either do know or have to know the answers is, is massive. Yeah, I've, I've had to learn the hard way with my girls. Like, you know, when, when, when I talk to them about their inside-out philosophy, um, I find myself sometimes slipping into that tell mode. You know, it's like, Oh, it's, you know, let me, let me tell you all about this as opposed to flipping it and saying, Hey, what's going on right now? You know, how, how are you coping with all the pressures of being a, a 22 year old or a teenager or, you know, a sophomore in, in university or, you know, second year in university. Um, and it's, and it is like, you know, what's currently happening? How are you coping? What are the things that you're doing to cope? Okay. Have you thought about this? You know, can, can I asking permission like, Hey, can I, can I tell you something that I've seen as opposed to just like, okay, you've got a, you've got a challenge. You're not feeling, you're feeling anxious. Um, you don't need to feel anxious because you just need to realize that that's your 
GPS telling you that you are you're attaching to the wrong thinking. Like that's just not useful to anybody to hear. Mm. Yeah. Like it's, and so, you know, so the, the, the being curious about them and the way they think and the way they see things and the way they experience the world and then weaving in what you, what insights you've had asking their permission i think that's like a very powerful conversation that you can have with with your kids as an example or your spouse or whoever you know a friend who's struggling but it's it's the same thing it's the same thing i mean flip that into the work context you know it's like what are you struggling with what are you trying to achieve okay great what's what what what's getting in the way okay can can i tell you some of the things that i've experienced that might be useful okay great yeah okay let's explore options together okay great okay what are we going to what are we going to get how are we going to get after this yeah i love it it's funny we've talked a lot about talking and conversations and the bit that i'm hearing and listening to you is listen it's like show up, yeah. be curious, which means ask questions and shut up and listen, like really listen to what they say. Mm-hmm. And no, it's not your job to fix them. It's not your job to tell them what to do. It's show up, be curious, listen. And yes, like point to anything that comes to mind from a good place to say, like you said, I love the way you described that. Oh, here's some things that I've found useful. Like have a have a look. What 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 do you think? Which is different to oh, this is what you should do. Um, and and in one sense, that's what we're saying is powerful conversations are that simple. Show up, be curious, and listen. Um, and and that's when you do that, incredible, incredible things can happen. I think that's the bumper sticker for our episode, mate, is show up, be curious and listen. Until next week, everybody. Thank you for listening. Cheers, everybody. This is great. Thanks. 